Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend, Chabruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Tanit, daf vav, page six. So as we discussed yesterday, today we're going to have a discussion around different types of rain. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, I think pretty much in English, we just kind of say rain. You know, you may say thunderstorms, but there's really just one description and it's rain. And I think here we see something beautiful in the Hebrew language that there's really different types of rain and each of them uh, are descriptive of, you know, when they fall, how are they beneficial? And this particular daf really deep dives into this. Um, and this is based all on a pasuk from Devarim, chapter 11, verse 14, that says, which we should all be very familiar with from saying it in Shema, right? Which basically says that I, right, meaning God, will provide rain for your land in its proper time, Yore and Malkosh. And so the question is, what's the Yore and what's the Malkosh? And so the top of the top here basically starts with a brace up. Tana Rabbanan. Yore, right? This rain, Shemore Eta Briot, right? Because it instructs the people, Lahatiach Gagotehan, to plaster their roofs, right? Because basically this is going to be the first rain of the season. So as soon as the Yore comes, everyone sort of needs to get their homes ready for the winter. And to bring in their fruit, right, which was left in the fruit in the fields, and to do everything that they need to do, basically for the for the winter. So that's what the idea of yora means. It instructs people. Another explanation: It's called yora because it's marve. It saturates. Uh, it saturates uh, the earth. Um, home and waters it to the depths. Shanamar, and here it's going to quote a pasuk from Tehillim, chapter sixty-five, verse eleven. Right by saturating, that's what rave means. Its furrows you bring pleasure to its bands, meaning of people. With showers you soften it, the earth. It grows. It, it grows. You bless. Another explanation, it's Yore, right? It's called Yore, because it falls gently. Um, and and it does not fall um, violently. So, you know, so basically this wants to sort of give an explanation for why is this rain called Yore? Um, and it seems to imply, right, that Yore has to be something that's beneficial and good. So then the Gemara asks the question, right? Maybe it's it's called Yora only because it causes the fruits, right, that remain on the tree basically to fall. Umashtifa Ziraim, and it washes away seeds. Umashtifa Ilanot, and it washes away trees. So what basically the Gemara is trying to say is, okay, it's nice that you're giving all these beautiful explanations in this Brisa uh, that Yora is sort of this nice thing, right? That it either it helps people and instructs people to get ready for the winter or it saturates the earth or it, it always falls gently. But, you know, rain is not always so pleasant. Sometimes it does things that aren't good. And so it gives examples of three things that the rain can do that actually is harmful. Tamud Lamar, Malkosh. So it says, no, the Torah says Malkosh, right? And that's the final rain of the season. Yorah is the first, Malkosh is later, right? And so Ma Malkosh Levarcha, Ap Yorah Levarcha. Just as Malkosh always has to be for blessing, 
Um, and remember this, this, uh, you know, just as Malkosh is, is, is for a blessing. And the reason for that is how do we know that Malkosh is right? It, it basically, um, can't be detrimental because it falls earlier in the spring. Um, when, uh, you know, the trees don't have a ton of fruit yet. And, um, you know, it, it's not, it, it, it sort of falls before everything has fully bloomed and grown. So it has to be for a blessing. So that means Yorah also has to be for a blessing because they appear together in that same Pasuk in Devarim. So then the Gemara asks, Maybe Malkosh isn't good, right? Why? Because maybe it knocks down houses and breaks trees and raises locusts. So again, I think what it's trying to say is, is that <coughs> no matter what type of year it is, whether it's the beginning of the rainy season or the end of the rainy season, right? There always could be something bad that rain could do. And so why is our assumption that this first rain and last rain, ha- rain have to be good? Talmud Lomar Yoreh. Ma Yoreh Levracha. Af Malkush Levracha. So it's sort of a circular reasoning here, right? That just as Yorah is beneficial, Malkush also has to be beneficial because they're linked together in that pasuk. The Yorah Gufei Minalan. So then the Gemara says, wait, well, how do we know this about Yorah? Tichtiv, right? And so now they're going to quote pasuk from Yoel, chapter 2, verse 23, right? And remember, this was discussed yesterday, um, talking about the rain that fell on the first of Nisan and all of the produce grew after this big famine you know, in just a few days, right? It said, you know, right? That God basically, everybody rejoiced because God gave Yorah for charity. Right? And it also says that he brought down rain, right, for you, Yorah in the first month. So these Sukim basically indicate that Yorah is basically always a blessing. Um, now the Gemara, you know, then the Gemara wants to go on to discuss when does the Yora actually fall, right? Is it in, uh, right, that Tanu Rabbanan, Yoreb, Marchashman, Yorez, and Marchashman, Umalkosh, Benisan, the last rain, the Malkosh is in Nisan, Atamer, Yoreb, Marchashman, Umalkosh, Benisan. So if you say Yora falls in Marchashman and Malkosh is in Nisan, O Eina, right, Ela Yoreb, Titre, Umalkosh, Biar. Maybe Yorah falls in Tishrei and, Malkush, and the Malkush falls in Er, right? Because you still have in Er, there's still grain that's out. Um, and so maybe even if it falls later after Nisan, it could still be called Malkush. Tamud Lamar Biito. The Torah says that it has to fall in its time. So it's telling you that when we're talking about rain, that's a blessing, right? It has to be rain that falls in its time, and that's Yorah Malkush. So if it rains in Er, we would not consider that Malkush. And then the Gemara wants to talk about what the word Malkosh means. Malkosh, right? What, what, what does that mean? Amar Rabbi Nihilai Bar'idi Amar Shmuel. So Rabbi Nihilai Bar'idi says the name of Shmuel. Davar Shamal Kashiotehen Shel Yisrael. It's something that excises, right? That miles the hardness, the koshi, <coughs> right, of, of, of Israel. Um, so in other words, why, why is that? Because if the final Rashi explains that if that final rain doesn't come, if you don't get that Malkosh, it basically forces people to repent and to fast and to daven. So that's how it softens people. Devei Rabbi Yishmael Tana, right? Because there was a Brisa taught in the house, in the academy of Rabbi Yishmael. Davar right? It's something that fills, malay, the stalks with grain. So that's mal kush. 
right? So again, so both of these are explanations where it uses the first half of the word mal with the last half of the word kosh or kash, and it comes up with an explanation. But matnin natana, right? In another brace, it was taught davar sheyared al mililud al hakashin, right? Again, the same idea. Something that descends on the ears, the milila, um, and stalks and the kash. So when I read this passage, I'm struck by, first of all, the parallelism that there's three explanations for Yora, three explanations for Malkosh, but also just the beauty of the Hebrew language here, that rain is not rain, the time of year that it falls, what blessing that it brings. Again, it's all based on the psukim, but each one of them has its, uh, you know, a different um, name. And I'm reminded by that, you know, I have heard, I don't know how many it is, but, you know, in Inuit culture, for example, language, they have many, many names for snow, right? We just call it snow, but they can understand and appreciate all different types of snow. Um, so this seems very similar to me that there's an appreciation, understanding for different types of rain and the goodness that rain brings. I think that's beautiful. I think also, <coughs> excuse me, I think also um, it speaks to the culture, the agricultural culture that was tremendously dependent on rain and the different kinds of rains falling you know at different times or waiting for the rains to fall made a huge difference or had a potential for a huge difference in terms of what might then grow which brings me to the part i want to talk about which is on amabet um where we have yet another kind of rain with a different name so here we've got a term of rainfall called rivia which is specifically the rovea etakarka rovea <clears throat> Excuse the cough. Rovea um, etakarka means the water from the rain that will penetrate the earth. And then the implication is that then that's what's going to get the ground to bear fruit. It says it's like the rain is, and the the analogy, the image is pretty um, potent here. Um, it's that the rain is as if it's the husband of the ground. Right in terms of literally in terms of penetration. We've got a verse from Isaiah from Yeshayahu chapter fifty-five, which says explicitly, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there, meaning it doesn't go back up to the sky, except it waters the earth and makes it give birth. Holida. And makes it flower or or blossom or sprout, right? So the idea here is that it is literally the water coming down from the heavens that then it you know has a new role, so to speak, entrenched in the earth, which will then make the earth um, literally be be fruitful. Um, I don't think it literally mean, it has to mean fruit. It can also mean vegetables or any kind of vegetation, right? But the idea is that then the rain is providing um, fertilizing, shall we say? The, the ground in the same way, the implication is the same way um, as a husband with his wife. Rebel says the first rainfield, the, when, if, if it's going to be considered a rivia, it has to go so much into the ground that there's a tefach of water going into the ground. Now a tefach, we know, we've talked about this, it's that hand breadth, right? So you talk about the amount of rainfall in one stint of a storm, let's say. That's a lot of rain at once. And the second rainfall has to be enough 
that the, the ground is going to be wet enough to seal the opening of a barrel with its mud. Right now, so I, I'm not sure exactly how much mud that takes, right, to seal the opening of a barrel. But it's it's um it's a good amount of rainfall. That that's the point, that it's truly uh, making the ground wet, muddy, etc. Um, so Rav Chista says that when the rains fall and there's an, they make enough mud to seal that barrel, then you're not you don't have to worry that the year won't fulfill the verse uh, that God will close up the heavens and there will be no rain. Meaning, if you get that amount of rain to make the seal on the barrel, then God didn't punish with um, holding back rain, which is kind of a, a roundabout way of it, it's kind of it's kind of a roundabout way of thinking about exactly this, right? In terms of how much rain you get, but it's also acknowledging that there's no punishment in the in to be found in the rainfall of that particular year, let's say. And then I'm skipping a bit. Um, we've got another statement by Rav Chista, Vamar Rav Chista, Gishamim Sheyardu al Miksat Medina, Val Miksat Medina lo Yardu, Ein Bahemishum Veatsar. So, what happens if rain falls in one part of the country but it doesn't fall in the other part of the country? Is that going to count as this punishment that is found in Veatsar, that God stopped the rain from coming? Well, if it only comes in part of the country, is that is that considered raining or is that considered not raining? So, the, the statement of Rav Chista says it's not considered being rain being withheld which is a nice strong you know um commendation i guess for the rain that as long as it's raining in part of the country then you're good but the gemara asked ini is that so um manatim i'm sorry manatim al so what happens is we have this verse, it's from the book of Amos, where he says, where God says, I withheld the rain from you, meaning so that you have three months left in the harvest and it's raining on one city and not raining on the other city, where God explicitly says, because it's a prophet, right, saying, I'm withholding the rain from you. So as long as that's happening, then you could say, well, in one city it's raining, in one place it's raining, in one place it's not raining. That sounds like it's exactly ve'atzar. So Rav Yehuda said, the Rav said, that both of this, meaning if both the area where it is raining and the area where it's not raining, are considered a curse. Meaning, if rain is everywhere, according to this, then it seems to be a curse. The Gemara has a better says so this is not a difficulty, meaning this contradiction between the verse in Amos and Rav Yehuda's position on it, as compared to Rav Christo, who said it's not Ve'atzar. So, the Gemara resolves this by saying the curse view, right, the way it's falling, the way the rain is coming then, is in great excess. And then it's a curse, meaning it's raining too much in one place and not enough in another place. And that is not the kind of rain that is the rain of the bracha, of the blessing, which is what Rav Chist is talking about. Rav Chist is talking about when everybody's getting the adequate rainfall. I'm sorry, I take that back. Not everybody. Some places are getting the adequate rain rainfall and some places are not. But that's really different than one place getting too much. And the too much is the is the that God is stopping the rain from coming as it should be coming, let's say. So then some of it might be too much and some of it is not enough. Amar of Ashi, 
Dekanami Dekhtiv Timater Tehemako Matar Shmamina. So then Rav Ashi goes on to say that, you know, even in that verse in Amos, if you read it very carefully, then the difference of, you know, if it's going to be a place of rain or if it was rained upon, you know, the the area is being filled with water in a way that is, um, you know, not positive. Um, okay. So there we've got a nice resolution that says, when, when is Vatsar? When is rain being withheld as compared to when rain is exactly as it needs to be, even if in some places it's raining and some places it's not. Frankly, most of the time, in some of the places where it's raining, there's going to be some other place where it's not. Rabbi Abau, Amar Rabbi Abau, and then we've got another statement here. And this is an important question. At what point do we make the blessing over the rain? And the answer is, From when a groom goes out to meet the bride. Well, that sounds very poetic, but what is it talking about? It means when there's puddles of water on the ground, and that means that then the water is being the bride, right? Um, I'm sorry, that the ground is being the bride. And the water, you know, in some measure of rain, as raindrops, right, is being the groom. This goes back to this rivia, this image of, as I said, it's, it's a strong image of the um, of the groom coming to meet his bride. And then the Gemara says, well, what blessing do you recite over the rain? And with this we'll close. Amar of Yehuda, Amar Rav, Modim anachnulach Hashem alkeinu, Rav Yehuda, in the name of Rav, says, we make a blessing that thanks God, it's gratitude for every single drop that falls, that he that God brings down upon us. Rabbi Yochanan, Messiah, Bahachi, and Rabbi Yochanan concludes that blessing, he goes even further, he, he concludes it with this extra line of if our mouth was full of the song of the sea and our tongue with singing like all the 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 many waves, right? This idea of um, however much we can say our songs of gratitude. So all of this is found in Nishmat, in the tefillah that we say on Shabbat morning. And he says, you keep going until may his mercy, may God's mercy, may your mercy really, not forsake us, to God, right? And then we bless Baruch Rov Hodaot. Um, blessed is the one who gives us a bun to whom? I'm sorry. Blessed is you blessed are you, O Lord, to whom we give abundant thanksgiving. Right? This idea that we thank God for each and every drop of rain is huge, I think. It's really important. And the idea that it is a matter of God's mercy that we get the right amount of rain. And I would say, as I'm, you know, as on the day that we're recording, we are entering a winter of a very dry, it's just a dry spell, meaning here we are uh, well into November, which in Israel is a rainy season, and we've had virtually no rain. Not none, but virtually none. And it's of, it's beginning to become of concern. So this idea of tefillah, that we bless God for the rain with gratitude for every bit of rain that we get, every drop of rain that we get, and we acknowledge the fact that it's not for nothing, that it's not just nature, that God is providing rain for us in his great mercy is is part of the whole story. It is exactly part of what it means to be praying for rain in these, as we say, in these various different forms of rain that need to come properly in their right time. That's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank is reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Barber for hosting us on the Hydra website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.